Will and Christian in the morning. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of Will and Christian in the morning. As always, I'm Will. I'm Christian. And today we have a very special guest with us. Christian, if you'd like to introduce. Sure. Um, he is a YouTuber who makes song parodies, adding lyrics to famous video game tracks. And he's the creator of the party game Use Your Words, which is available on Steam, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Wii U. And he recently returned to YouTube for a season 12. So it is our pleasure to introduce Brent Hulfloss himself, Mr. Brent Black. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, thanks for coming. So today we're gonna ask you a few questions kind of about your time on YouTube and doing music and everything. Um, So yeah, we're really excited, We we can get started. Cool. All right, so our first question. So obviously it's very exciting. The With Lyrics series is back, Lyrics 101. All that is back. It's all fantastic. Um, and you've been on YouTube for a very long time. So we kind of just wanted to know what made you decide to get on YouTube and make videos? What made you decide to to add lyrics to all these famous video game songs? Um, kind of the, the story behind that. Yeah. So what made me want to do YouTube, I think, is an endless vacuum-like need for attention. Um, and once I like realized, oh, it's really easy to just make videos and put them online, which it seems we take it so for granted now, but in 2006, the idea that it was really easy to use like a built-in camera, which I had just that year gotten a laptop with a, ooh, built-in camera, built-in microphone. Um, I mean, I, like, I think my first, something like 30 or 40 videos, maybe not quite that many, but a lot, were just the MacBook pointed at a thing with as much natural light as possible, hoping that it would like have a frame rate above 10. Um, But uh, yeah, so, so I, you know, I started out doing, just trying everything, doing some video game tunes on piano. And I even did some like political rants that are now not just hidden, but deleted. Um, Cause our, our opinions change a lot over the course of 14 years. Um, So what made me want to do lyrics um and add them to video game music um i always wish i had a better answer for this but i think the fact is um well okay let me back up i was teaching a uh, summer youth arts program called let's make a musical and so i was teaching like eight through 18 year olds to do songwriting and playwriting and then we all put a show together so i was like just steeped in lyrics and the craft of songwriting and I had the Mega Man 3 title theme stuck in my head. That's a Capcom game for the original Nintendo in 1990. Been a minute, a little dusty, <laughs> but I think it's up there with Beethoven. It's one of the best songs ever written. So it just popped into my head. It was it, it was the same kind of like, oh, what if I tried this as every other video I had done? But um, I think within two weeks, I had gotten more views on the video on that one video than I had in like two years of YouTube combined. And then it just kept going. So it's not so much that I went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this really weird detour of a strange thing, a career. Um, But when people continued to like it, and then I made an album and that, you know, was suddenly able to, that allowed me to do it full time it was it was more like okay i'm now paying for my life 
by writing music and lyrics. It's not writing musical theater. It's not doing some of the things that I thought I might be doing, but at um, 26, two, uh, well, I mean, two years out of academia, being able to do that, it really was the main, the, the main motivator, just the fact that, wow, I can work at home and live off of my art, even if it's a weird version of it, I think this is a pretty cool way to go for now. Definitely. I I didn't even think of like taking for granted the whole like, I mean, YouTube is like so ingrained like in society now, like everyone, it's yeah. easy for anyone to start anything. And I feel like definitely around then it was not as commonplace for someone to like blow up on YouTube and also just like start to make a career out of it. So yeah, yeah really I'm not cool. even sure Facebook had video yet. And I, and the iPhone was still a year oh. away from even coming out. So like, yeah, it was just an extremely different time in terms of not just social media, but like multimedia, being able to be put on the internet by average non-programmer, you know, people. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's just crazy. Like you said, starting in 2006, like you've been doing this for like 14 years. Yes. That's really crazy. So, um, you know, you've been doing this for a while. You've garnered, you know, many views and subscribers. I think you have 450K currently. Yes. That's, that's, I think it's pretty impressive. But um, so my question, what was like the first time you really felt like famous? Like, wow, I'm like popular on YouTube or however, like what was the first time you felt like that feeling of like, I'm famous? So YouTube used to have uh, a front page. They still have a version of it, but it used to be like the second you got on YouTube, um, there was no app. It was only in a browser. Um, I'm trying not to say phrases like in those days, um, <laughs> but, but you know, like there was this front page where the first thing you saw on YouTube were these featured videos. And I made a video that frankly now is one of my cringiest, most problematic videos, but it was called Tetris with lyrics. This would have mm. been, I think I originally made it in like November of 2008. So this would have only been math, 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 a few months really after the first like with lyrics thing. Mm -hmm. And it was about how, I mean, like my grandma and my mom love Tetris. So it was like this idea of like, oh, Tetris is a game women love. And I took that to a mm, kind of a sexist mm -hmm. place. Um, but, you know, people thought it was funny. And so it, it, it limped along with some views, but then um, YouTube front paged it for I think like something like 26 hours. And in that 26 hours, it got about 600,000 views, um, which I think just like tripled my total views lifetime and um, tripled my number of subscribers in a day. And uh, wow. from three, yeah, from 3,000 to 12,000, which again, in those days was like <laughs> kind of a serious number. Um, and the interestingly the way i found out about it i don't like road trips especially road trips with family they're lovely my 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 um, immediate family is lovely but all four of us in a car um for like days is rough especially when i was at the time 24 so like fully an adult but there was no like wi-fi wasn't really the way we think of it now um like it wasn't at a rest stop you know it wasn't at a starbucks so it turned out 
okay, well, here's my point. When I finally got to our destination, which is my aunt and uncle's house, I, you know, took the ethernet cable out of the dusty back of their desktop computer because of course they didn't have Wi-Fi. Um, this is around the time my buddy Joe worked at Best Buy and he says an old man came in one day and said, excuse me, what's a Wi-Fi? Um, that's the level we were at. Um, and uh, so I put in the, I, again, no email on my phone. I put in the ethernet cable and suddenly had like, I mean, something like 2000 new emails. Cause at the time I would get an email for any one comment. Um, and my subscribers had tripled and I was trying to communicate in late 2008 to my, you know, mom, dad, aunt and uncle all over 50. You don't understand. You do not comprehend what has happened. And they were like, we're that's, that's good. And then of course, you know, they all start giving me terrible, terrible video ideas. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was the moment that I, it's not that I thought that I had truly made it. It was just the moment where I was like, wow, this has some serious power mm-hmm. and maybe this could be like something really real. Um, like, yeah, it was, it was the, the first moment that was anything like what you asked, the notion of actually feeling famous or that I'd made it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's like, yeah, you know, you're riding in the car, like is nothing's happening. Then as soon as you plug in, it's like, bam, like I have all of these co- new comments to subscribers. That's right. Whereas nowadays the phone would just be like, <laughs> but like being able to just see it all at once was, there's just nothing like, I mean, you know, 2000 emails you didn't have before. It's just a very like hot anyway. So <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So, you know, in this long career, you've done many different kinds of video games. You've done a couple of Zelda, a couple of Mario, like you said, Mega Man. Um, is there any game that you would want to do a with lyrics video on that you haven't yet or aren't able to? Yeah, so Final Fantasy IV, which was marketed in North America as Final Fantasy II on Super Nintendo, um, was like one of my favorite games growing up, if not my absolute favorite. <laughs> And I wrote a draft of a song about it. And like on my first album, I did this completely silly throwaway thing where I was, I sang dumb lyrics to one of the tunes from it as Eric Cartman. It wasn't really a with lyrics, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very close to my heart. And I've just never gotten around to doing doing anything with it. Uh, I have a concept for it, but it just, you know, it's one of those things that you, I can always sit there and go, oh, I should do Fortnite. I should do these games that are like just cultural icons. That's one kind of, oh, I've never gotten around to it, but this is one that I really do want to do. And I just haven't nailed down quite how to do it yet. Yeah. Cool. Um, so Will and I have both been pretty big fans of yours ever since, you know, we were growing up. Um, I remember, Thanks. you know, I had been like, me and my brother would watch your, with lyrics videos, like when we were at home. And then when I got to college and like Will and I met, he was talking about his celebrity story was, you know, going to meet you. And I was like, I didn't realize, like, I, I didn't realize he was also a fan. I'm like, I'm also a fan. And we sort of, you know, bonded over that. And then 
you know, here we are. So this is you're welcome. Pretty cool. <laughs> yes. Thank you for coming. Yes. Um, so I know a couple of my favorite um, with lyrics videos were the ones that you did with Demon Tomato Dave, the Super Mario Land and Ocarina of Time. And I really like the whole acapella arrangement thing. Well, um, tell them why. So, <laughs> uh, well, we, <laughs> so Will and I are both in uh, an acapella group here. At oh, nice. So that's sort of what does it have a silly name? I love acapella group names. <laughs> so we... our group is called 54th and City because that is the that's like the corner of campus is the corner gotcha. of 54th Street and City Avenue. So but nice, the nice. buses all say 54th and City, so it's free advertising, like when they're oh, coming the up and down buses. the street. Um <laughs> perfect. And then yeah, I'm also in another group called Hawkapella because we are the Hawks at our school. That's yep. see, that's, that's, that's a silly one. Because um, like the brown derbies, the Fleet Street singers, <laughs> the acoustics, like there's all you know, it's like yeah. I, I love what is it about that genre of name? But I love yeah, but uh, acapella choir names. Yeah, it's cool. But um so I want to know um, how you first met Dave because you know he lived in he lives in England and you live in the U.S. and how did you decide to do acapella covers specifically? So um, I was a I just stumbled upon Dave, uh, and you know if there's if there's one major personality flaw that I wish I could go back and erase, it's um, me being kind of cagey and jealous of other people doing what I'm doing, especially if I think they're not as good, but they're doing better than me. Um, you know, it's envy, it's insecurity, it's, it, that's what it is. So when people would do video game parodies and I would be like, this is such low quality and yet they're getting all these views, ugh, I'm bitter about it. But then I found Dave's stuff. He did a song uh, with the Dark World theme from Zelda Link to the Past. He did a thing called It Doesn't Make Sense from the Super Mario World map screen theme. And, you know, the list goes on. And I, now the thing is, when you ask about acapella, all of his arrangements were in that style already. So I thought, wow, this guy knows how to write funny lyrics. He clearly has musical theater influences. And he goes to the trouble of making these elaborate choral arrangements of his own voice for all of his work. So I think we just became aware of each other. I think I DM'd him or something saying like, hey, I really like your stuff or whatever. I think we followed each other and just would do the thing where you don't really know someone, but you reply a lot. And so I wrote a draft of Super Mario Land with lyrics and it started out, you know, clean back black and green. Like it's, it's very like dreamlike. And right around then, Dave came out with the 16-minute, the man does not know how to do something short. Um, he came out with this 16-minute medley. It's hard to describe, but really, I recommend the two of you listen to it, if you haven't, and also everyone in the world, even though it makes no sense. He, he's got this ongoing story about a Santa-like character called the Snatter, that started out in the something awful for him and he's been writing it with his friends for years. And he did a 16 minute medley of all these songs, you know, like Zelda, songs from like the worst witch, uh, um, obscure stuff from like Christmas movies you've never heard of. Um, and it's all in this long medley telling the story <laughs> that nobody even knows about his snatter thing. And I, 
legit just listened to it on a loop for days. I was moving into my new apartment at the time and uh, I could like tell time by the fact that if I listened to it four times, that was an hour. And it just clicked. I went, man, I gotta get this guy to do that intro because it's it'll be so dreamlike and so choral. So I emailed him. I think I was just very like, I don't even think I was really asking. I was kind of like, hey, I got a project. We're gonna do it. Um, but uh, I think somehow it went from him just thinking he was gonna do the intro and then me being like, I, I forget, I'd have to go back and look at the emails, but the way he tells it, I roped him into the intro and then seamlessly went, okay, and then I'm gonna do a verse and then you're gonna do a verse and then we're gonna go back and forth. Um, but yeah, so I so that's basically how it started. And um, we've stayed friends. You know, I think that he's uh, someone that, you know, he lives in Manchester, England. I live in Philadelphia and he also uh, isn't much of a world traveler. Um, so we haven't really hung out in the same space much at all. I think less than, certainly less than two weeks of our lives over the last eight years, but um, very good friends. And, um, you know, the, 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 the thing, this isn't really answering your question, but because a lot of people are requesting a reunion uh, of Dave and I for my season 12 content, like part of the challenge is that him doing those acapella arrangements takes forever. We worked on mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time for various reasons, not just this, but we worked on that for two years before it came out. Um, and so much of that was him having to do the arrangement uh, of, I think at certain points, like eight layers of his voice and the thing's 10 or 11 minutes long. So um, yeah, but I think that answers your question about how we met up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I didn't realize that took two years. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> we we shot we shot the confrontation theme, the confrontation scene twice, um, because we changed it around. We changed the ending, and I at that time went to a convention in uh, England every September. So we just didn't love the confrontation footage the first time. It was randomly in this room of a convention um, and eventually it was like the idea of me coming to his house to beat him up because we disagreed just felt so much better um, anyway so yeah there you go cool I, I cannot hear any Ocarina of Time songs without hearing like the ba 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 like the all like the little acapella like mm -hmm. twangs in it I love yeah. it um, so Besides doing uh, like the with lyrics content and all that other stuff, you've also come out with use your words. Um, we both love the game. We play it whenever we have friends over. Um, that the the sub the title that is one of the most like genius games. Like that never fails to to crack me up every time. Mm -hmm. um, Thanks. But how like how did that come about? What was what like made you want to do it? And how like was the experience with that? So right around 2014, 2015, I just started to burn out on YouTube. It, you know, at that point I'd been doing it seven-ish years. And, you know, I had been very, very squirmy thinking if I don't pivot career-wise, then people are gonna think I'm only this goofy birthday clown video game nerd. Um, and so I was looking around for other things to do. I, this was, you know, 
not long before I started a podcast I did for five years called Trends Like These, um, various other things, I, you know. But in January of 2015, I went to a convention called MAGFest and it, it was so snowy that uh, there was a problem with, you know, getting a bus back from DC to New York where I lived at the time. So I was stuck there for an extra night, found some other nerds that were also stuck and we all just kind of got a room to just wait through the blizzard. And they had this game called Fibbage, uh, which you probably know is a Jackbox game. Mm. And if people watching don't know, it's it's a party game you play on your TV, but it's all in the same room when you input your answers on your phone. So it's a very like 21st century party game. And I had been a big fan of a game called Quip It, which was a DVD-based game around 2004. And so basically, in the same way that the Stardew Valley programmer really just set out to make like the super deluxe version of Harvest Moon, and then it became its own thing, I was like, wow, if you can do this with the phone thing, I can take Quip It as an inspiration and make the greatest comedy party game of all time. Um, for instance, in Quip It, so sub the title, I think the way we made it work is, I'm very proud of it. And it took a lot of iterations. Um, in Quip It, they showed you a really long clip. And the idea was that you had to write all the dialogue on paper and then you know, read it while you played the clip. It was terrible, it was terrible. But the idea of that, stuck with me so i just this idea kept percolating and i had a i had a friend still do in canada named julian who he was a developer on a wii game called flips twisted world he worked on an x-men game for silicon knights he was a seasoned uh veteran of, of video game development especially for being in his at the time i would have, i think like late 20s and I was just like, hey, man, um, I know I've pitched a lot of games to you over the years, and you usually tell me either why they wouldn't work or why they'd cost a million dollars, but what do you think of this? And he's like, I don't quite understand it. And I was like, God, there's got to be a way. <laughs> so I used the skills I do have. I got on Final Cut. I had like an extremely um, what psychologists would call a hypomanic episode for about a whole weekend where I was just like not sleeping, getting up after four hours of, well, four hours of sleep, but I'd get up and just like spring out of bed like a piece of toast out of the toaster and work on this video demo that went back and forth between showing somebody on their phone and what their phone is saying and then the TV. And um, at the time, the four categories were called you know what, I should, I should put this video on YouTube or something sometime just to show people the evolution of it. But sub the title was called that. Um, Blankomatic was Blankety Blank, which turned out to be the name of a game show in, I think, the UK. Um, Extra Extra was Captionista. And uh, we didn't have Survey Says. We had a hashtag style game called Hashtagery, which, you know, it just turned out that people don't understand hashtag games. And so we took all these hashtag, like for instance, hashtag dirty Dr. Seuss titles. And then we just, in survey says, we just told people what to do, write a dirty Dr. Seuss title. And they were like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> just made it extremely like, here's your assignment. 
Um, but yeah, that was early 2015. We had a working prototype, very rough by July. I went up to Toronto where Julian lives for a year that August, sorry, I don't know why I said a year, later in that year, um, in August, went up to Julian's house, stayed with him for a month. There we go, that's a length of time. Um, and we just worked on the idea and it was almost like a sabbatical or not sabbatical, like a little retreat for me. And we came out of that with, you know, a, a demo of all four games and we just kept working on it until we felt like, okay, this is a very scaled down version of what we want to do. And so here's where it gets personal. In 2016, for various reasons, some of them my fault, some of them not, I had really financially hit rock bottom. Living in New York City and thinking you'll be fine, but you're not making as, money, as much money as you used to, catches up with you. And I realized, wow, I'm in a bunch of student loan debt, but also credit card debt. Um, and I just hit a wall with certain personal things in my life. And I was like, well, this sucks. I am going to get a job for a while uh, in my hometown in Texas and live with my folks and get back on my feet. Then that job fell through. You know why? Because I was going to teach that Let's Make a Musical program, but they found out about my Floss channel. So after they hired me, they fired me because I said bad words once. Um, but uh, so this is financial and emotional rock bottom. Um, I'd also recently got my heart broken. Living with my parents, which I think a lot of millennials go through that. Um, certainly a lot of Zoomers. For me, having thought that I was such a hotshot in New York City and so famous and everything, to move back in with my parents was humbling. Um, and so we had this slowly moving along prototype of this game we didn't know what to do with. And I was like, this is the, this is the rope I'm going to grab that's going to pull me out of this. I can't, I, I don't have the energy to Brennel floss my way out of this because I was just so sick of doing, you know, what video game should I sing about today? Ah, oh, this is my full-time job. I hate it. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to railroad into a Kickstarter. We formed an LLC to, to receive the Kickstarter money in a less risky way. And, um, you know, I moved into my folks' house, I think in February and by June, we had $46,000. I was gonna live in Toronto with Airbnbs and occasionally at Julian's place. And that summer was just like one of the most thrilling, scary summers of my life because I was, you know, when you asked like, what was it like to make a game? A, a weird, disappointing slash thrilling adventure. Cause you, you know, we didn't know how to make the game. Um, you're constantly going, oh, I think I figured it out. And then you're like, no, that didn't work. And to find out it didn't work, I had to get a party together of people and in fun mode and find out, nope, this is not what I thought it was. Back to the drawing board, this sucks. Um, but by, I think September, it was really working and it was like being in love. Um, like a new relationship when you just, you know, the, the dopamine hit of just seeing them, um, et cetera. It was kind of like that. And um, 
Yeah, you know, that was September, October. I think I moved back to the US, uh, like formally moved, moved to Philadelphia that February and it came out in April. So that was kind of the journey of it. And um, it was a wild, wild ride. Yeah, that that's oh. an insane story. Like I, I didn't, I didn't expect any of that. And that's, that's just like a really emotional, powerful story. Yeah. And I'm glad that everything worked out the way it did. Cause like the game is fantastic. It's um, so fun. I'm glad so Thanks. many people like are enjoying it. Um, Thanks. I think one of the reasons it's as good yeah. as it is, is because I was mate, I was fighting for my life. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't accept, I mean, of course it's not, it's, it didn't win any awards. You, you know, it, it's, mm. it's not game of the year, but to the extent that it's good, it's because if it flopped, what at that point, what would I do? How would yeah. I feel? Yeah. I went into deeper debt to make it. It was like a hail Mary of hail Marys. So I appreciate the fact that you feel that way. Um, and I think that again, if it's good, it's because I had no other choice. Yeah, and I will say uh, a lot of games of like this genre, a lot of times they'll have like a like safety like answer. Usually they're terrible. This game, the house answers, they fool me every time. Like they're honestly the, really good. They're funny. They're like the the grammar that are in some like they fool like mm. they're perfect and like thank you. The game is fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> you know. I think that I think there's a word doc that I have still that says, what if the house answers were just funny as hell? Um, Cause like really early, well, I forget when, but fairly early on in the process, I was like, Hey, what if we call it the party game for funny people and their unfunny friends. And the thing is a party game for funny people where you're being funny, that's easy. You don't even need, you know, you can do that with pen and paper, yeah. a party game for unfunny people where they're supposed to be funny is like, psychology and game design game theory and when i was like you know if everybody's really boring and not funny at least they'll be these house answers that they're not all hilarious we put some in that are intentionally either not funny or chuckle worthy but not really funny but um yeah once i realized i could actually write some comedy into the thing and make it meta um you know, there's a few house answers that make fun of me. Recently, somebody on my Twitter uh, showed me a little Twitch clip of a thing where I made fun of myself in a house answer and they were sure that it was one of the other ones. And when they found out it was built into the game, they just flipped. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you pointing that out. I think that was a really lucky trick we stumbled onto. And in terms of the design of the game, the house answers, some people get frustrated with them um, because they feel like, oh, you're making me vote for one that I don't think is the house answer or the one that I really laughed at, I will vote for, but maybe it's a risk. Part of the reason we did that is because a little bit of chaos means that the unfunny person might do better. And it can't be a game of pure skill because unfunny people are gonna be like, I suck at this. Sure, I'm definitely not gonna play a second round, but if there's a little bit of a chaos factor where it's like the Mario Kart blue shell. You just <laughs> never quite know. And so it's not a pure game of skill, but because of that, someone can win or do better than maybe they would in a pure game of skill. And they end up having more fun. And then the funny person who lost goes, we're playing again. So it works out well. <laughs> yeah, and um, I have one more question, but before, how did you get all of these clips for Sub the Title? Like I know there's a lot of, um, 
and there's a few like gamma clips like the i love the mm. gamma like cheesy kaiju movies those. and i know there's like a lot of <laughs> clips like that like how did you find all of those <laughs> well i i mean there are so many ways to google search for public domain movies um and some of the movies are the kind of thing where okay so i'm citing now the the um what is it called i think it's the digital millennium copyright act or something like that mm. where if you assume that a movie is public domain based on what you know and then you reach out to the filmmakers and they don't get back to you but you've made what's called good faith efforts to secure the rights you know um the movie uh what's it called incubus or incubo uh which is the william shatner movie with uh that's in esperanto which is a made-up language um we looked and looked and looked for who owns the rights and it looked like whoever did died. And so we just went, look, th this movie was literally lost for 20 years. Somebody found a, an extra reel of it in France. And I went, nobody who owns this movie cares deeply about it. I feel okay taking these five second clips. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of searching. Um, we, you know, Japan has like, different laws about copyright for movies than we do. And it was just like so much searching. And not only do you have to find an old movie that's in the public domain, but you have to find it in 480p, um, which is really hard, um, minimum 480p. And then you got to watch it and hope that the clips are good. And I mean, you know, in the end, if I get two clips out of a movie by the time we've, you know, weeded out all of the duds, that's good. So I, God, I've probably watched a hundred movies. Um, at this point, mostly Soviet and Japanese movies. Um, but uh, yeah, quite, quite a selection. Wow, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> um, so my last question, so you have been away from the with lyric series for a little while um doing other projects you've had your podcast in the past you recently did con the musical um and now you're back in full force um particular favorite of mine right now is the fall guys with lyrics where we're a huge fall guys house Thank here you. at school <laughs> so i lost my Thank mind when you. i saw that drop um but thanks i'm glad i'm glad somebody did um but uh no, I thought that was going to be a big one because it's a big game right now. But um, yeah, I'm, I appreciate you liking that. One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess my question is what <laughs> made you, you know, come back in full force with season 12 of, of With Lyrics and Brental Floss? Well, so two things. Um, the main one is, yeah. So like between summer of 2018 and winter of 2019, I was, aside from podcasts I was doing weekly, almost the entire, and, and a little bit of use your words maintenance, almost the entirety of my job was um, living off of use your words money and making con, uh, which for viewers that don't know is a, it's a musical parody or rather a parody musical of the Star Trek film, The Wrath of Khan. And 2020, you know, I did like, I think a table read and three separate staged readings um, to develop the show. 
And after the Philly Fringe one last September, I rewrote it again, thinking, okay, now I've got a cast of eight. And uh, if you want to do an off-Broadway show that's a musical, eight people nowadays is about the maximum cast that can be afforded. Because the off-Broadway model is in a way harder than the Broadway model. Mm -hmm. You've got a Broadway show, you've already got $10 million minimum. Um, but doing a Broadway show will, uh, sorry, doing an off-Broadway show will kind of always feel like a shoestring unless some angel investor's like, yeah, here's $3 million. That never happens. Um, so I was talking to some producers, a friend of mine runs a general management firm. We were going to draw up a budget and then COVID time. Um, I'm kind of lucky we didn't go farther into it because I would have like paid all this money to get, you know, in, an engagement agreement with a firm and blah, blah, blah. And so that put Khan on hold and I was suddenly like, well, I don't want to do a Zoom reading. You know what I mean? Theater has got to be live. Yeah. A, a yeah. comedy musical like comes down to, do they laugh because of this word or are they laughing because of what sets up this joke? You can't tell that on mm. Zoom. You can't feel the energy. Um, and so I just kind of, you know, um, we had some use your word stuff to do, updating different um, platforms with French content and a little bit of a spruce up with new English content. And, um, but other than that, I was like, I don't really have a whole bunch to do. And that was starting to wear on me. I was playing a lot of Civilization Five, which is a game that you really can't play a good playthrough in under five hours. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of drinking and just not knowing what to do in lockdown. Mm -hmm. And on this July morning, I just went, holy crap, I've got all of these drafts of games, uh, rather all of these drafts of um, videos and songs about games that are unfinished or the draft is done, but I never wanted to do it. Or, you know, the kind of thing where if you're not, if you're not doing videos regularly, then anything you come out with has to be like good enough to be on its own. Otherwise people will be like, yikes, all this you haven't uploaded in seven months. And now what you come at us with is dig dug, you know, you're going to make, <laughs> you're going to make, anyway, you get it. Um, and I just went, this is the time. This is the time to do it. I'm completely recharged. I don't feel that burnout. And moreover, I don't feel pigeonholed. I feel like there are tens of thousands of people that think of me as a political thinker because of trends like these. Um, and I am. And that's not writing dick and fart jokes about Mario. Um, many people either think of me as a game developer or think of my game as a legit game. So I can live to say nothing of having written a full-length musical that reminds me that there's other stuff, it's still comedy, but reminds me that there's other stuff that I can do successfully, not just songs about video games. And so I'm kind of able to come back more confident and go, there's these fans that say, when are you gonna do new with lyrics videos? I think it's time to give them what they want in a finite space. I cannot say I'm back because I'm not I'm never going to, uh, okay, never say never. I'm very unlikely to return to YouTube and just 
do it. Um, Especially when theater comes back and if we decide to do future stuff with Use Your Words. But I thought this can be a four month project, maybe a little more. And yeah, so I like looked at all of these. I mean, I'm telling you, there was some stuff I completely forgot about. and stuff that I always kind of wanted to do, but just never found a way. And just, I was just manically writing new lyrics, new material and coming up with, you know, how I could resurrect the lyrics 101 series into a little bit more of a, you know, nostalgia critic, red letter media, like, like figuring out lessons about the craft of lyrics and songwriting through stuff that I think is lackluster. Um, rather than it being completely a tutorial. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like it just felt like it was the right time. It felt like, frankly, maybe there, I mean, look at, look at you two. You were kids when you first started listening and now you're adults with a podcast. I thought maybe there are people who have grown up enough that they would be reminded that I exist. And maybe from that, there are either connections or, you know, I got hired to do, uh, of some like some singing in a Dutch video game and I ended up rewriting <laughs> this is very me I was like hey you've written a patter song English isn't your first language let me rearrange this whole thing for you it'll <laughs> sound much better don't worry about crediting me but like that's a thing that I think coming back and reminding people I exist got me that gig and that's part of what I was hoping to do if I did want to do something with Use Your Words and we needed to do a Kickstarter, re-engaging that audience would create a situation where I wouldn't have to just rely only on social media. And um, and in general, like I was like, I think I have enough material for a new album. What if I just release it over the course of a season? And then, now I can't guarantee this, but then maybe at the end of it, we just slightly tweak and remaster it into the fourth album. Uh, maybe with some bonus content, maybe vinyl. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that's kind of been the journey, and certainly includes the impetus for uh, for season twelve. Wow. Well, yeah. sorry. No, I know I can. Yeah, uh, I know I can say um, I am very happy that you're back. I'm happy to see some new with lyric videos because it's like I really did like grow up on a lot of your stuff. Like you were saying, you know, we were kids when we first started listening. Now we're grown up and like when you announced that season 12 was coming, I like went back and listened to some of the old songs and like, like I remember like sitting in my basement, like watching the video. It's like, oh, there's a new Brentsel Foss video coming out. So I think it, this is, it's like a big like nostalgia rush for me. And I think, I think it is a good time now that everybody, you know, because of COVID, we can't really new things are, it's like difficult for new things to happen. So sort of this coming up like hey now I'm coming back I think it's good to like you know like thinking about these like fond memories we had when when the world was normal and now it's sort of like things like seem a little more normal yeah the the best comments I get are people that now again keeping in mind I've got a lot of subscribers but I think I have a much smaller base of like real legit hardcore fans Mm -hmm. um but the the ones of them that will say wow 2020 is not all bad and I'll be like you know I was trying to in my podcast I was trying to fight the bad things in politics that was a certain kind of trying to do a good thing use your words I was like I'm making people laugh 
yay. But there is an element of me going for the big, big fans. Maybe this is a little light in the dark. Maybe this is a little laugh here or there that takes their mind off of this weird situation we're in. So yeah, I, I, that's been one of the big rewards of it is just finding out people think of it in that way. Cause I didn't set out to do that. Um, but it was like a nice surprise that they would frame it that way. Yeah. There's definitely, I've seen a lot of comments where it's like the return of the King and like all these, like he's back. Like I'm, I'm loving it. And <laughs> I, I think the fan response has been really good. And I will say it doesn't feel like a Disney type of like reboot where it's not the same. Like I popped on the Mega Man video and I was like, yep, this is a, uh, this is classic. This is like an instant. I'm going to be listening to this like on repeat. They, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I um, was really scared that I would announce season 12. The first one would come out and it would be like, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yikes, bro. And so I think that, you know, I didn't know which one to start back with. And that one just seemed appropriate because the first one ever was Mega Man three. And uh, yeah, I, I lucked out with that one. I think that again, it's really, extremely heartwarming to feel like even six years after I was really regularly uploading, there's still people that care and that are excited to see more. It's, it's really been a unusual kind of, um, there's ego boosts, but then there's like self-esteem supplements. They're different things. It's not <laughs> me thinking that I'm Mr. Hotshot. I've been, I've been in enough high, highs and lows to realize nobody's a god nobody's all that great and the people that are doing really well are either miserable or mentally ill or both um i am also mentally ill and medicated but i think you know the context in which i mean that um so yeah it's been very it's helped round out my sense of myself as a worthy person and a worthy artist um yeah i feel very lucky about that uh, awesome. um well that about wraps things up. Thank you so much for taking your time um, to come and talk to us for a little while. Um, do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to plug uh, any places that you can be watched, reached, anything like that? Sure. Okay. So if if viewers think they would enjoy comedy songs about video games, they can find that at YouTube.com/slash/brentalfloss. If you're interested in watching a, you know, an earlier draft of my Star Trek musical. And that's pretty well shot, so it's very watchable. Um, that's at twitter.com slash U-A-S-T-P-M. And it's the pinned tweet. I know that's very strange and circuitous, but I'm not trying to put it out there for the whole world because the copyright holders don't need to know yet. Mm -hmm. um, if you're interested in the party game, use your words. There's more information about it at useyourwords.lol. And um, on top of which, uh, it's it's just on every, I think that Christian uh, or Will mentioned the platforms. It's on mm. basically current gen platforms yeah. on the eShop. So if you're, you know, whatever the digital store <laughs> on your console is, use your words should be there. Um, I think that's basically all of my pluggy things. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with that. Okay. Um one final thing can you give any like sneak peek of any of the upcoming videos or is it all kind of secret when does this come out this episode probably like a couple days of your show yeah um probably like within a couple days of this recording yeah so 
I made a mistake that I decided to stand by, which is that the this Thursday, October 22nd, the video coming out that day, I have already released the the song on Bandcamp. Um, I meant to schedule it, but when it came out, or rather when I uploaded it, I did two things. I clicked the schedule button and then I clicked the publish button. Um, so when you do that on Bandcamp, it tells all of your hundreds of people that follow you on Bandcamp, Rental Floss just released this song. <laughs> and I went, I don't want them to suddenly not be able to listen to it. Bandcamp is not the most popular platform for music. So the Spectre Night stage from Shovel Night with lyrics uh, is the next video. I'm reuniting with the Konami Code and they're the, the band that I did Contra with lyrics, with Paperboy with lyrics. Um, there might have been one more. They're legendary. They were at the very first convention I ever went to where I played a concert. We've stayed friends. And they are now, after years, they're also starting their thing up. So we collaborated on it. It really rocks. And uh, that is currently, um, no matter when you see this, that is currently available <laughs> at brentalfloss.bandcamp.com. Awesome. All right. So, um, yeah, that just about ends the episode. Uh, thank you again. And um, thank you so much. Listen, yeah, listeners, we'll see you next week for a new episode. Yeah. Um, Great. Thank you again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Yeah. Yep. Have a good one. Thank you.